Shall we pray? Father, may the words that we hear this morning inspire us, challenge us, and encourage us to live more like your disciples. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. So, it's all about living generously this morning. So I wonder, who is the most generous person you can think of? Perhaps it's a philanthropist like uh, Bill and Melinda Gates, somebody who's given away vast amounts of money for the good of others. Or perhaps it's something like someone you know, someone closer to home, perhaps someone who always picks up the bill when you go out for a meal. Or maybe they delivered you a food parcel when you most needed it. I know when I was a student, I had a few of those from my big brother who used to come and treat me with coffee and chocolate and things. But there's a certain way about generous people, isn't there? Somehow it kind of flows from them as they share their money, their time and their love. One good definition of generosity that I've read is showing a readiness to give more of something than is strictly necessary. Generosity is a wonderful thing, isn't it? It blesses those who receive, but arguably it also blesses the people who do the giving as well. Generosity is definitely a God idea. Imagine being there when Adam took his first breath in the Garden of Eden. He opens his eyes and he looks around and he sees all the amazing thing that God has given him to enjoy. God provided everything Adam needed in that garden. A lovely garden to um, enjoy and relax in. Food to eat. Even a good wife by his side. Absolutely everything Adam had came from God. And we too serve this generous God. 2 Corinthians 9.8 says, God is able to bless you abundantly and give you everything you need. The question I have this morning is, do we really believe it? Well, there's some things that might actually help us. Firstly, God definitely has a track record of being able to provide and give us what we need. We've already mentioned Adam this morning, but there's lots of biblical examples of God's generosity. For example, the children of Israel. They had bread in the wilderness for 40 years. Again, just imagine being a subjugated people that have been in slavery forever. And then all of a sudden, God miraculously delivers you with signs and wonders. And then you see all your, el- your enemies drown in the sea behind you. Can you imagine the euphoria? They must have had such great faith in God at that time. But the thing is, it didn't seem to last that long when they ended up in the wilderness afterwards. They arrived in the desert and there were no shops, no farms, no plantations. They didn't even have Tesco's online delivery service. But you see, God didn't skimp on the deliverance. He didn't skimp on everything they needed. He didn't do a partial provision of what they needed. He gave them delicious manna quail and even water from a rock so that his children would be provided for. Truly everything that they needed came from God. 
Everything physically they needed came from God, which is actually a tangible reminder that everything spiritually that we need comes from him. And Jesus himself refers to this in John chapter 6, especially when you read the right verses. (laughs) He refers to himself as the bread of life. And actually, God's track record goes even further when we see the amazing example of Jesus, arguably God's greatest gift to us. But hey, that's another sermon. Whilst on earth, Jesus lived a very generous life. He was never stingy with his blessings to people. As Claire said the other week when she described the wedding at Canaan, he, his first miracle was supplying the best wine to a wedding party that had run dry on the refreshment side. He didn't turn around to them and say, oh, you should have planned things better. Oh, you should have saved up more money and just bought more wine just in case. No, he just blessed them with the good stuff. The blessings from Jesus just flowed from him all through his life. And I think that this is because Jesus believed that God his Father was truly generous. Jesus was dependent on the Father, and he reminds us that we are to pray for what we need on a daily basis in the Lord's Prayer. But here's the thing. Jesus wouldn't ask us to ask what we need from the Father unless he believed that the Father could supply our needs. God's generosity to us means that we can and should be generous to others. Probably many of you have heard the Christian saying, blessed to be a blessing. Well, 2 Corinthians 9.8 actually says that God supplies us with what we need so we can abound in every good work. Paul also refers back to uh, some verses in Psalms as well about giving to the poor. And in this passage that we've read in Corinthians, we really get a sense of freedom in giving. No reluctance, no compulsion, no pressure. There is a freedom in giving, and it genuinely blesses both the receiver and the giver. And it's always been God's plan that we were to continue the cycle of blessing by giving away that which he has blessed us with. You see, we were never meant to hoard. Israel in the wilderness always had enough for that day, but they weren't supposed to keep hoarding for weeks to come. Now, please hear me, that's not to say that we shouldn't save our money or put money into pensions. Those things are all good. But those decisions should reflect our trust in God as much as wise uh, financial prudence. God generously gives us the skills and abilities to do our jobs well. He made us with intelligence and personality to be educated and qualified. Everything we have comes from God. But the generosity and the giftings isn't supposed to just stop with us. He promises over and over in the Bible that when we live generously and bless others, he will supply and even increase that which we have to give away. On the uh, pour out a blessing envelope you see at the back of church, there's a verse from um, Malachi 3.8. And it says this, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be not enough room to store it. It's a slightly shortened version, Roger, up there. So have a look at the um, pour out a blessing envelopes um, at the back of church. 
The third point I want to make is living generously really is an act of worship. When we give away our material things, we are acknowledging that material things are secondary to our dependence on God, who we believe supplies all our need. When we are prepared to give financially, we are saying to God, thank you, Lord, that everything I have comes from you. What do you want me to do with it? Paul repeatedly talks about the early church giving of their first fruits. Note that that's not the leftovers. In doing so, praise was given back to God by both the people giving, who were grateful for God's blessing, and also the receiving churches who were thankful for God's provision. Now, the example of flowing and blessing can be demonstrated quite easily with our hands. So I'd like everybody to clench your fists. It's not very often you get to do that against the preacher. Look, at, look, look how um, tight your fist is. And the thing is, when we clench our fist tightly around the things that we hold financially, we can't actually put anything else in our hands, can we? It's not until we open our hands and allow the blessings to flow out to others that God can come and put more in our, our palms. Now, please note, we're not advocating some prosperity gospel that says give one pound and you'll get ten back. No, we don't do that here. What we're, what we're saying is just keep the channels open. That's all. Allow God's abundant generosity to keep flowing out to others. Now, no uh, sermon on financial stewardship would be complete without the practical bit. So how do we give? Well, God has always required his faithful followers to bring offerings into his house. This has been the tent in the wilderness. It's been the temple of Solomon. It's been um, the, the early church gatherings in people's houses. But there is a precedent that the people of God are called to bring offerings into his house. And if we consider ourselves part of the St. Stephen's Church family here, then this is a really good place to start financially giving. Now, that's not to exclude other charities that God may be calling you to give to. They're important too. But in the same way as the Israelites had to give generously to the temple, so we too have to give to the work here at St. Stephen's. Most of you will know that the church doesn't receive any money from the Diocese or Church of England. So we have to raise about £250,000 a year just to keep things ticking over. But the thing is, as a church, it's really important that we too believe that God is going to provide for all our needs so we don't become stingy in our finances. We give away over 10% of the church income to our mission partners. That's to see God's kingdom be spread even further, both locally, nationally, and internationally. It'd be very easy for us as a church to just keep all of the money to ourselves and just do more stuff around church and more projects but we don't. We choose to give away because we are agents of God's blessing. So how much should we give? Well, that's between us and God. In the Old Testament, there was a principle of 10% of, of income plus extra um, offerings. In the New Testament, a lot of people decided to have all things in common and give everything they had to the church. I don't know about you, but I'm definitely not there faith-wise yet. But whatever we give, 
let us give in an attitude of thanksgiving to the God who generously supplies everything we need. Let us give in the knowledge that generosity is God's idea and one that he will always bless. And just finally, please don't give today because it's Stewardship Sunday and you feel under any compulsion to give. That's not what it's about. 1 Corinthians 9.7 actually talks about giving worshipfully. And that means giving with a good attitude. Not begrudgingly, not resentfully, but faithfully knowing that everything we have comes from God. So in conclusion, do we believe in a God whose very nature is generosity? Do we believe we are called to be his people and do likewise? Well, I'd hope the answer would be yes on both of those accounts. So if it is yes, what would it look like if all of us go home this week and sit with our bank accounts before us and we pray? What would happen if we asked God how he would like us to be generous this year? What do you think St. Stephen's would be able to do this year if all of us realised that financial giving is part of our worship? As we think on these things, we've got a little video for you. Amen. I'm going to give you a little talk and a few practical points and then Peter's going to wake you up with some pictures. Uh, if you don't know me, I'm Noel Fairbairn and I'm your interim treasurer. <laughs> Why everybody keeps laughing about that, I don't know. The, the PCC co-opt me annually to be treasurer. One of the PCC's important jobs is to look after the money side of running our church. Now, being British, and therefore by nature reserved, so I am told, uh, this implies we don't much like talking about money. However, the PCC have decreed that at least something should be said every couple of months, probably to make us all realise it does actually cost money to run the church. 
and its activities and its ministry in the community. Last week's sermon concentrated on our use of or stewardship of our time and talents. And this week, obviously, we're concentrating on finances. It's pretty obvious that one simply cannot operate without the other. If we had, say, a hundred, if everybody in this room was wonderfully talented and available as volunteers, but we had no financial backing, would any of the church programs run? Would anything get done without some finances? On the other hand, if our income doubled to half a million pounds, but we had no volunteers to run anything, the vicar would be driven mad. A very few of us have no option but to concentrate our efforts on one side or the other, giving to the church only our time or only our talents or only our finances. Personal circumstances dictate this and circumstances change from time to time. But I think for most of us, we should realise God's plan for us includes using all three. He wants to use our time, he wants to use our talents, and he wants to use our finances to extend his kingdom. So this morning, and very briefly, I just want to remind you of two things. 92% of our income, pretty high proportion, comes from monthly standing orders. And this is the PCC's preferred method of giving as it allows uh, the PCC to budget. This, which you probably won't be able to see very well, is a standing order form. Don't be scared of it. It doesn't bite. Even if you hate banks and hate banking, I guarantee you will be able to follow the instructions. It's been road tested by the office. <laughs> Whether you bank online or by telephone or neither of those two, this is the form for you. It's even got an addressed envelope at the back. Please carefully consider starting a new standing order or maybe revising an existing one which you haven't increased for many years. Secondly, gift aid. Nearly finished. Do you really understand what gift aid is all about? Well, we produce a good giving guide Copies can be obtained from the office. That will explain everything you've always wanted to know, but we're afraid to ask. Every gift you give is increased by 25%. Nine out of ten people who support this church are taxpayers. Nine out of ten people and have signed a gift aid declaration. 
Once you've signed one of these and I've got it, you don't have to do it again. So, for example, Louisa talked about the pour-out-a-blessing envelopes, which are at the back. If you have already signed a gift aid declaration, you don't have to fill in all the details on these envelopes. If you want to give a one-off donation by cheque or cash, you can simply put your name and where you want the money to go to, and that's all you have to fill out. We've got all the rest of the details. So sign a gift aid form once because you're a taxpayer, that's it. Page 8 of the Good Giving Guide says tax reclaims can add up to a significant increase in giving for the church. And I thought about how to convey that to you. Significant increase, what does it mean? So I thought one way of looking at this, that the value of the gift, the gift aid reclaim from HMRC, is this. How well do you think the church would run without Louisa, our youth minister Simon, and Amber, children and, children and families worker? Well, can you imagine Julie Fox, 20 hours a week, managing everything those three people do? Don't think so. Well, their wages total approximately the same as the gift aid we get back on all your gifts. We're talking about something around £40,000 a year. So if we didn't get gift aid, if you didn't sign your gift aid forms, think what we wouldn't be able to do. And then just a final thought from me as your interim <laughs> treasurer. God's finances are in our pockets, purses, wallets and bank accounts. God's finances are in our pockets, our purses, our wallets and our bank accounts. Let's just be happy we are contributing back to the Lord appropriate time, appropriate talents and appropriate finances, all of which he's given us as stewards in the first place. Thank you. Now, Peter. Hello, um, I'm, I'm here just to give you a bit of news as to what has been happening with your money. Can we have the next slide, please? Uh, it's just a quick reminder. I think everybody at this service has heard this and seen this many, many times. But nothing that happens financially here is from external sources other than things like the gift aid. <clears throat> we don't go out in the streets rattling a tin. We don't, <clears throat> we don't charge you to come and sit here on a Sunday morning. Uh, we, we worked out the other day that probably a ticket on a Sunday would be about £20 a head, believe, believe it or not. Yeah. So, next one, please. Uh, how do we actually get things done? Well, congregational giving, outward giving, Noel has spoken about at least 10% every time, and the gift aid, hugely important. Uh, we own the Rainbow Nursery, 
Uh, the principle is that it covers its cost and pays a market rent, but because we own it, it we're allowed, we can kind of veer in a hall when it's having difficulties. Uh, and that's a fantastic ministry. Um, and hidden to what's going on on a Sunday morning, but in actual fact, it's a beautiful way of reaching out into the community. Uh, we get a little bit of uh, rental income from our uh, flat across the road, and of course we actually own two other properties, a house for the curate and another flat for the uh, children's uh, minister. Now if we look at the next slide, this is fantastic. So a year ago I stood here and said we need £10,000. We need £10,000 because the porter cabin is falling apart, um, the Sunday youth work, the rainbow, and various other activities uh, are unable to use it anymore, um, so we need to replace the cabin. And incidentally, we also need some new tables uh, to operate in the church. Well, the fantastic news is that not only did that money come in very quickly, thank you very much, uh, but we raised rather more than we were expecting. So, hooray. Um, so the cabin's gone up. Uh, the tables are in. There's a bit of work to do on the cabin. Uh, we've got to paint it and do the electrics and so on, but it will become operational very soon. Uh, one of the first things it's going to be used for is morning coffee for parents at the Rainbow. So Amber has started this activity currently once a week where parents drop their children off and then we welcome them with... Uh, tea and cake and coffee and chat. And this is, for many of these people, their first step towards church. And believe it or not, um, getting them to come from the car park to this building for a cup of tea is a huge step. So this is a really good outreaching ministry that we hope will, will bear fruit. And if we have the next slide, please. More good news, because um, I'm going to give you another opportunity to, to, to spend money. <laughs> um, <clears throat> what's really good is that because of Noel's very, very careful husbanding of, the, of, of our finances, our special projects for this year have already got £2,000 in the pot from last year carried over. So we've got a kickstart. Now, the target this year is the storeroom at the back of the cross. You can't see it, it's behind a nice fence and all the rest of it, and it's a, it's a metal ISO container. It, I'm sure, was here before you... So it's at least 12 years old. Uh, it's, the roof has rusted through. Uh, we've repaired it and repaired it and patched it. It's beyond economical repair. But it's hugely hard-working because it contains all of the stuff that gets used in the church and the cross, and it's spare chairs, spare tables, the toys, all of the catering stuff. And if we didn't have a storeroom, we wouldn't be able to convert this into um, a, a, you know, a, a dinner night or the cross into the rainbow or back to being an entertaining place. And it, it gives us that flexibility. So what we decided we ought to look at is replacing that with these flat pack containers. Didn't know we could do that. This is Louise's research, by the way. Um, and not only does it give us better storerooms and, and operating storerooms, but uh, it will also give us a second entrance so that we can access it even when the cross is being used, which is one of the 
current limitations. So again, we're looking for around about £10,000. We have um, the ability to crack on and do this, even though uh, we're going to have a vacancy with, with Danny, uh, because it doesn't need planning permission and it doesn't need a faculty. We just pop it in. And the very extra good news is that Louisa has also found a company that will pay us to take away the old one for scrap metal. They're going to give us 400 quid. So there we go. Um, final slide, just a reminder, here, Knowles forms or, or use these. Um, it's very, very easy. You can even pay by credit card. <laughs> Let's give Peter and Noel a round of applause.